Hi, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. And this is Why We YA. Allison, what are you reading? We are both reading the same book. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, I am reading The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. And I am reading The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. <laughs> I am not as far in as Allison is. Yeah, but I'm also not that far in. Um, it's over 500 pages. It's a long one. And it's by Mackenzie Lee, and it's her second book, and it's gotten so much hype, but it's totally worth the hype. The hype is accurate. It's basically a European road trip, 18th century romp. <laughs> LGBTQIA. LGBTQIA, yeah. The main character is bi, and he's the sassiest person in the world. Monty is fantastic. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with Percy, too, but I think Felicity is going to have a little place in my heart. Yeah, I'm not, I can already predict it. The main character's sister is, like, this bookish girl who and everyone's like you have to go to finishing school and she's like I want to go to medical school it's wonderful and we're not that far in but it makes I literally smile like the whole time I'm reading <laughs> I am also listening to an audiobook Al Capone Shines My Shoes which is a junior fiction and I love this series it's so endearing to me um it's set in the 1930s when uh, kids lived on Alcatraz because their parents were guards or workers on the island, and it's about their experiences. Um, follows this one kid named Moose, who has a sister, Natalie, who is on what would be considered today the autism spectrum, and that brings its own set of challenges. And, like, in this second one, this is the second one in the series, he just met Al Capone, and it's like, oh my gosh! And the, there's this great little just undertone of what it's like to be 12 in that time period and be a 12-year-old boy and having this very unique life. And I am a sucker for untold stories of history, and I had no clue kids lived on Alcatraz, and I love it. So today we're going to be talking about self-published authors. She's giving me this look right now that just is like, we're going to see how this goes, because yeah, so, we have very different opinions on this. Yeah, I am pro-self-publishing. And I am con anti-self-publishing. <laughs> All our opinions are our own and, you know, we're just trying to create a conversation and address this topic because it's a really interesting topic. Why don't we start with you explaining why you don't like self-published books? I struggle with self-published books and I can tell almost instantaneously if a book is self-published. I'm able to tell even if a book is YA when I just, like, look at it because there's certain stylized things that publishers use. There's different, um, covers and sizes and the quality of a book and how it is made and, and especially cover designs um, is a thing that I'm able to tell. And so usually I can tell if a book has been self-published um, just by looking at it or by holding it and flipping through it. And for me, instantaneously it's a turnoff because the idea that it didn't go through a vetting process is really hard for me because I value the publishing industry and I value editors and I think that their opinion matters. I think it also matters of seeing, having other people see your work and I feel like that there's a certain level of quality that it brings if it is not self-published and I, I'm very hesitant because um, yes I will agree that there are some industry published books that are not good and that should not have been industry published. However, I have a stronger trust when it is industry published because then I know that somebody liked it and that it went through approval process that I know and I'm familiar with and it's been vetted for me. Whereas with self-published, I am like, it's so much work to find a book 
when I just instantly know nobody, not everyone has looked at it in the same way. And so for me, it's a quality issue. I don't, and I've seen a lot of errors in self-published books that I've like tried to look at and it's just hard for me. I feel like I haven't gotten one that I like and so it's very much turned me off to the whole idea of it. That's my monologue. <laughs> and then now Allison is going to attack every point I just made. Not every point. I will caveat this by saying that there is a, I think, much broader range of quality in self-published work than there is in published work. So you really do have to slug through crap a lot of times to find the gems. But I It's like thrift store shopping. Exactly. <laughs> but I think if you are willing to do that, um, a lot of books that you can find are have been edited and have been beta read and have been vetted, but just not by publishers or professional editors. Um, like, so, okay, so my favorite self-published author, who is now not a self-published author, is Elise Kova. So she wrote this series called Air Awakens, and it's five book series, and she self-published all of them. So I read self-published books on, on Amazon. Like, I don't, I don't buy physical copies of them. Yeah, that's the easiest way I've been I've been told is to find self-published books and that's the easiest way to self-publish your books is to do it in ebook format. Right. So, um I read all of her books and so so she wrote this five book series and she wrote them really quickly. She would publish was publishing like one every 3 months and it was See, and I don't trust that either. It was awesome because I was so excited to get the next one and I didn't have to wait a damn year or two to get the next book. And for me, her writing quality was high, like for self-published, like she had, I didn't notice any grammatical errors. It had obviously been edited and gone through process. That series became so popular that she, for her next series, was able to get a, a publisher. Um, so now the series is coming out. She just had a book come out called Dragons of Nova last week, I think, um, that's being published by a real publisher, she's going through the, the real process, and she talks on her website about her journey from self-published to being published, and I think it's really cool. So I do think that self-published books are not inherently worse in terms of editing. I think that some are. If they, if if the author was like, I'm going to publish this book because it's exactly how I want it and no one else has read it, yeah, it's probably going to suck because your own opinion of your own work is never going to be accurate. No, it's true. Um, but they do get edited if you have, a, like, some authors have networks, or some self-published authors will create their own network. Well, they'll, they'll trade books, and they'll edit, and they'll beta read. And it's a very different process than the publishing editing, but it does happen. It's obvious when, as someone who is willing to go through the effort oh. and find self-published authors. You calling me lazy? <laughs> no. <laughs> a liar. It's obvious when a book has been edited. I don't know. And I'm maybe just a, too much of a purist, which I can understand that I'm biased and I'm not as open-minded to this topic. And I'm not. I'll be the first person to say, no, I'm very, it's like an insta-turn-off for me when I discover something is self-published. No matter what. It's hard because I struggle with the idea of that this didn't go through the process and it for me it in a weird way feels like cheating. So how do you feel about it like small publishers then 
Because I feel, for me, I think, because there's, like, the big five, right? There's, right. There's, like, Macmillan, HarperCollins. Scholastic. Um, Penguin, all these, yeah. Yeah. Um, AAA titles, what they're called. Yes. And then there's these small independent publishers. And for me, I often find that there is a difference in quality between the big ones and the independent publishers, Oh, hands too. down. So do you avoid those? Do you think those are different? Are I would still say, a step above? I would say, yeah, they're still a step above because the, the, but a lot of those independent publishers, aren't they like subsets of the big five? Well, there are some, but there are little independent presses and like, I don't know. I'd be interested actually to look at my favorite books and that's something I might do in the future and see what is from one of the big five or a subset of the big five and what is from a smaller one because I honestly don't know and I couldn't tell you. I think I'm willing to cut self-published authors more slack than I am willing to cut the independent publishers slack because they're in my mind self-published authors are taking a huge risk and putting their work out there to the world without the support of a publishing house where independent publishers like little small imprints are coloring themselves professionals and then if the work is like of a similar quality as a self-published author I'm harder on this independent publisher because you said you're a professional. Like, why wasn't this edited better? So that's where I struggle with those two things. And I think that's why I am willing to do the work for self-published authors to find the good books to to kind of deal with some little things that might bother me in a bigger published work. Because I'm excited that their work is out in the world and it makes me, like, hopeful for them. So do you consider that one of the big benefits to self-publishing? Because that was going to be one of my other questions for you is what do you think are the benefits to self-publishing? Because I can list a bunch of negatives, and I have, being my pessimistic self, but what what do you think are some of the benefits of it? So the way I see self-publishing is a stepping stone to publishing. Okay. Um, I don't think that self-publishing should be your end goal. If you're wanting to be an author who makes money from your work, self-publishing is not where you should stop. But self-publishing does give you an, an audience of beta readers, basically, um, people like me who are willing to do the work to get you published, like Lise Kova. Like, she had, her books were, um, she did do some physical self-publishing, but she, she did it herself. So it was expensive for her. So most of them were ebooks, And she had a huge following for this series, and it got her, she was popular enough that she was able to get published in the traditional way her second series. So, and I admit, I didn't think of it as a stepping stone because in my head, I can't think of many authors that have been self-published and then have gotten publishing deals with industry publishers, except like E.L. James, who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) But that's less self-published and more fan fiction. That was fan fiction. So there's a lot of examples of authors who wrote fan fiction. I think that maybe they've self-published to... Publicate like traditional publication route is a newer one, right? And isn't quite as well known. I will ask you though how you feel about the Swoon Reads website and how that relates to this because I think it's really related. I have read. I think it is very related. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I was going to bring it up too. I struggle with Swoon Reads. For those of you listeners who don't know, Swoon Reads is 
Isn't it a subset of some, one of the big five? Yeah, so it's Macmillan. It's Macmillan, okay. Macmillan owns this website called Swoon Reads. And what people do is they have, it's only YA books. Yep. They upload their manuscript that they wrote, and then people go through and read them like you would for an, an independent, um, self-published author, and they vote. So they say, we loved this, this, and this about the book, and they leave reviews. And then at the end of each season, I think there's maybe two or three seasons a year, Macmillan picks the books that have gotten the best ratings and probably the books they find the most marketable and legitimately publishes them. Paperback published. Yes. Too. They don't give them a full hardback release. And I, I can speak to Swoon Reads a couple of ways. One, a good friend of mine, Maggie Ann Martin, got selected for Swoon Reads. She wrote The Big F, which she's one of my booktube friends. And then I also read, shortly after, Queens of Geek by Jen Wilde, who is also a Swoon Reads, and I think they came out in the same season. And... I did honest reviews of both of them, um, knowing the authors and knowing where they came from. And for me, it was very interesting. They are very formulaic for me. And they're also shorter, which is another thing. I, I find that both of those books that I read, and those are the only ones that I've read. You also read These Vicious Masks, which was a certain reads. Yes. And I found them to be very formulaic. It also could have been because they were both realistic fiction. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. And it was just seemed to be that they ticked off all the boxes of a typical YA novel, which is great, but again, it felt like they won a popularity contest, which they did. So that that was a struggle for me. I do think it's great that readers get to be a part of the publishing process. That I like about Swoon Reads, but I still struggle with them, <laughs> so I guess. And it's hard for me to think about like a paperback release, because that's another level, is that while you may get your book published, there are certain levels that the publishing industry gives you. Right based off of what they think and how they think it can sell. And so I feel like even paperback releases are like a step down. It's like a TV movie or a insta-DVD release to me. Well, so my experience with Swoon Reads books um, is These Vicious Masks and its sequel, These Ruthless Deeds. And I, they are fantasy, not realistic fiction. And that I is did, also fair. And I did not find them formulaic. I, honestly, I had no idea that they were Swoon Reads until... I was adding them to my Goodreads after I'd read them. And I was like, oh my gosh, these were published through Swoon Reads. That's so cool. Swoon Reads, to me, I think is an agent in the normalization of self-published. Like, okay. I think that it's, it's, the br it's acting as a visual and visible bridge between self-published work and triple A title, big publisher work. It's an interesting way to get your work out there because there's like a ready set group of readers whereas like if you're just publishing through Amazon you're really rolling the dice because you don't severely you don't know that anyone's gonna even find your item but, but do you think it's biased that they're just YA only or I, do you think that this format only works with YA readers you know what I mean because that age group that demographic are gonna be the only people like you said maybe willing to do the work and sift through because they're from a different technological generation yeah I think that it's like not to use the millennial thing here but it, they are targeting millennials in that sense who are willing to sit and read things on the computer because they're used to things such as fan fiction and, you know, Tumblr posts that they're following, you know, web comics and things like that. They're used to getting mediums that way. Yeah, millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z, totally. But I, I do think that's true because I think that there's, I mean, if they were publishing Western, like novels that only your grandparents read. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't work. 
because no. those people don't use the internet in the same way and they don't understand. I think this would also work for romance. Yes. Adult romance and new adult. And new adult is actually a category in Spoon Reads. Is it? Okay, yeah. cool. But I do think it would work for straight up adult romance too because a lot of self-published work is romance. So I want to bring up another thing that we just learned about recently um, through research and preparing for this podcast is something called hybrid publishing, which hybrid publishing seems to be this sort of middle ground between traditional publishing and self-publishing. In a sense, you don't have to have an agent. You submitted it to these independent publishing houses and you have to have a well-edited manuscript because they don't do the editing process for you. Right. They don't offer you revisions and edits. They say, this is good or this is not. Right. And then they can publish it from there. But then the other thing that catches from it is that most hybrid publishing agency they're not agencies i guess they're publishing publishing houses, houses. yeah Hi, but most hybrid publishing houses still make the author have to pay like they do in self publishing in part in part so right probably not as much probably as not as much published um and you probably get paid more there's probably more royalties because they're boosting your marketing and everything there too and so that's an interesting thought what do you think about hybrid publishing i think hybrid publishing is a cool idea i do i agree that it sucks when authors have to pay to get their work into the public eye. Well, and that's something that I have always learned from being in the theater sector, too, was that they always told us that when getting an agent as an actor or as any type of creator, that if you have to pay for it or have to pay the agent, it's not a real agent. And it's been that way my entire life because I was a child actor um, and any sort of agency where they required you to have some sort of fee or some sort of classes or something like that was not legit. Maybe that's where a lot of it comes from, if you want to get psychoanalytic on it, <laughs> that that was very, it was very much a no-no in my world of arts and creating, that you don't pay someone else for them to help you with your art. Like, that's not how that works. Um, that if your art is good enough and if your art is is meant to be seen out there, people should be paying you for it. But from this from the self-publishing and hybrid publishing point of view, it's a and it's it's kind of the same thing as like if you work in a non-profit kind of situation or in a small industry like fashion design, you work for free in, for internships. It's like that's kind of how I see self-publishing almost as like an internship. Yeah, so you're you are so confident in your own work, you think people should see it, you think people need to know about it, that you're willing to pay an upfront cost to get it out there so that in the long run, it will come back to you. No, and I can understand that too. I guess where I'm misconstruing is that I never thought of self-publishing as a stepping stone. In my head, it's always been end goal. Like the end goal is to get a book published, to be an author, and to continue to write and be successful by being consistent with writing and publishing books and that type of thing. That's where I thought self-publishing was. And so in my head, it always had been like, again, I hate using this word, but it felt like cheating because it's like, you didn't do the work. You didn't go through the process, but the work is writing the book. And I understand that. But what's interesting about this conversation we're having is I truly never thought of it as a, as a stepping stone ever yeah, or I mean, as an unpaid internship in the hopes of getting a bigger job. It always was the end point in my head. Yeah, for me, it's always been, I will publish this myself so people can see it so that I can get recognition and I can get people who like my work, want to see more of it. And that 
influence will potentially and hopefully get me to a place where I am being published professionally. And I never really knew about hybrid publishing either as sort of this middle ground to go off of. But some of my favorite authors have done hybrid publishing, like Colleen Oaks, her Wending Darling series is hybrid published. And it's just interesting to me that so many more writers have gotten their start. And I feel like now a little ignorant coming into this conversation because I'm really curious about how many authors, like we're sitting in my apartment right now recording this podcast and I have so many bookshelves and I'm really wondering what is the history of each of these authors and where did they come from? I'm genuinely curious now. (laughs) Well, and the hybrid publishing appears to be a fairly new... It does seem to be very new. Again, very generational. Again, very much the publishing industry trying to adapt to these times. Because, you know, if you think about it, there are also so many ways for artists in general, if we extend this beyond writers and extend this to, you know, like comic book artists, you know, you don't have to get in the Sunday funnies anymore to be well-known or well-read. You can have a successful online comic like Heart and Brain with the Awkward Yeti or Sarah Scribbles Reads. And do you not consider webcomics self-publishing for for graphic novelists then? And no, because for me, what's interesting is, and I think this is a generational thing, is that that's how I read comics now. Like, I read comics as the Sunday Funnies when I was younger. And maybe it might be because I'm not as well-versed in it. I'm not, I'm not as jaded. And again, I admit, I am jaded. I am biased. <laughs> I am prejudiced. And that's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast was to have my friend who is willing to have an argument not judge me <laughs> for my biasness and, and be able to talk about it more. But no, I don't consider webcomic because that to me is, I guess, how people use... That's the medium now. Whereas maybe because I still feel like there are publishing houses. The publishing houses haven't really gone away. You know what I mean? The Sunday funnies are not as popular anymore. Newspapers are going away. The way to read comics now is online. In my head, webcomics is self-publishing. Because think about it. So think about Sarah Scribbles. Sarah Scribbles is a webcomic. Yeah. That happens to now have been published into two volumes. But she... All of those comics started out as just for free on her website. She was probably footing the bill for the server time. She was footing the bill for the website domain. So she was paying to have her content on the internet for four people. And then she was became well-known and recognized enough to get a publishing deal. And see, and I guess that's, again, my thought of that... I don't see self-publishing your own book as a stepping stone. In my head, the publishing process is you write the book, you edit it, you rewrite the book and rewrite and add as many X's to that as you want and beta readers and all that stuff. Then you write Curie letters and you get an agent and then the agent helps you get an editor at a publishing house and then who buys your books and then you edit it and write it some more and then you get published. Like that's the process in my head. Whereas like webcomic process now is more like you write this webcomic, you get a bunch of followers and you... Maybe get a book. Maybe get a book. Because to me, the end goal for webcomics is not get a book, but to get sponsorships and merch and to pay. Like, it's a different... Like, that's how I see my YouTube channel, is, like, eventually... Or book battles, eventually, like, getting to that point. It's a different process because the the original traditional publishing process has not gone away. I agree that webcomics probably are not started with the intention of becoming books, but I think that it's still the same... Principle? Principle. Yeah. It's very, I don't know. It's really interesting to me. I, 
That being said, I'd love to hear what our listeners' thoughts are on this. And I personally want to do more research and see more about where the author's that I love came from. I think we brought up a lot of really interesting topics today of surrounding this central topic of self-publishing and the idea that the benefits of self-publishing, so to speak, are that, you know, you get books out to your readers faster. It's a stepping stone on the potential of being industry published. Yes. And then for me, the negatives of self-publishing are that it's definitely a lot more work to sell your own book. I just like the idea that you have to pay to have your work be seen. And also, there's a different vetting process for terms of finding what is good. You know what I mean? You can't just have that initial filter system. You have to dig through a lot more crap to find the gems. And so, for someone like me, which I feel like the whole moral of this podcast is, McKaylee is lazy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to say. Oh, no, I know you're not. I know. Um, It's just funny to think about is, Kales is very lazy. One other thing about self-published that helps drag through is the review community now has is huge with Goodreads and with like Amazon reviews. So really if you're like going through self-published stuff and you see that somebody has so and so many, you know, five or four star reviews, like that's a really good indicator. I will often read through those reviews and see like the people who I usually align with, see what they say. And then if they are like, eh, or, like, hi, eh. <laughs> like, maybe I'll give it a chance, but if they're like, this is horrible, then I won't even try. And that, oddly enough, is actually what we're going to be talking about at our next podcast. We're going to be going through our reviews and what they mean to us. Um, we're going to go off of the Goodreads review scale, um, going through what it takes to DNF a book and what it takes to be five stars for each of us because we both have different opinions on that and we're interested to see what our listeners' opinions are on that too. Yeah, and our, definitely our star rating levels are different. Oh, totally. There's the different weights on my scale than there are on, on Kale's scale. Yeah, I am much harsher, I would say. Yeah, I tend to be really generous. <laughs> and And also just going off of like what it takes to get certain levels of stars. What do we look for in a book um, rating wise? And then we're going to give some of our own recommendations based off of our ratings of don't you dare pick up this book and dear God, why haven't you read this yet? (laughs) So that being said, I'm Kales and I'm Allison. Now go read the thing.